So let's have another cup of coffee And let's have another piece of pie Let a smile be your umbrella For it's just an April shower Even John D. Rockefeller Is looking for the silver lining Mr. Herbert Hoover Says that now's the time to buy So let's have another cup of coffee And let's have another piece of pie God gave you 100,000 watts of power, but it's up to you to put them to work. This is the John Adams Radio Show. Coming to you live from high atop the EMR Tower, in beautiful downtown Decatur, Georgia, center of the known universe. Thence, 23,300 miles directly into outer space this week, affiliates, SATCOM 5. Thence rebroadcast all across the fluted plane to our vast EMR radio network. This week, 331 stations plus. The island of Guam. Speaking directly into the golden EMR microphone, this is Excellence in Money Radio. And we are glad to have you along on this special edition of the Real Estate Coffee Break. I remain unbossed and unbought, speaking truth to power and committed to truth, justice, and the American way of making money. And as we say every week, let not your heart be troubled, for I am here. In fact, as long as I'm here, it doesn't matter where here is. We are thrilled to have you along this week because this is a very special freedom edition. I failed to mention in the opening monologue that I am seated firmly in the free enterprise chair, and we're going to talk about that today, among other things, as we embark on another journey into real estate broadcast excellence. So stand by. Here's your quote of the week. I'm thinking about printing this on my business cards. When one door closes, buy another one and open it yourself. How do you like that? When, when one door closes, buy another one and open it yourself. <laughs> That's the way to solve these problems when one door closes. 
Hey, we got plenty of doors out there, so don't worry about that. Special thank you to our sponsors. Uh, as always, EXP Realty. If you are a real estate licensee in any state of the union, and you are considering a career change, I would like to talk with you about that. Um, and I am directing you to a website called www.partnerwithjohnadams.com. And if you are not a real estate licensee, but you would like to partner with johnadams.com, go to partnerwithjohnadams.com. We can get you a real estate license, but you need to learn the story of eXp Realty. It is compelling. Um, also, another one of our platinum sponsors today is the Real Estate Marketers Cruise, January 28th, 2023. Those of you who are going with me and Marjorie, one year from today will be on the ocean. I think we get back. I don't, I, I think, I don't know. It's eight days and eight nights of fun on the Carnival Freedom. And let me tell you, we are going to have a blast. We're going to some great destinations. We leave out of Miami, Florida, and you deserve this. Think about all that you and I have been through these past two years. I am so sick and damn tired of wearing masks. And now Johns Hopkins comes out and says they have made no contribution to our safety. Uh, Margie tells me not to get pumped up. I'm going to have, excuse me for just a second while I calm down. In any case, we are going to have a lot of fun. It's eight nights out of Miami. We are going to Puerto Rico, which is always fun. We are going to, um, where else are we going? Oh, Amber Cove, absolutely beautiful, simply beautiful, Amber Cove. And I think we're going to St. Martin's, and there's some other place that I can't even think of, like maybe Aruba or I don't know. There's some. We're going to a bunch of good places, but the destination is not the where are these places. While yes, we will have a good time there. The key is we're going to be on this ship for eight days and eight nights, which means we're going to have a blast. We're going to talk about real estate investing, but we're also going to talk about internet and marketing. So if you have any interest in this, please go right now to expocruise.com. A number of you have already signed up. Ken Jordan, I'll be in touch with you today about getting you more information. But go to expocruise.com. We are going to have a blast. Also, we are sponsored again by Home Meteorite Shield. This is the meteorite version of Home Title Lock. You might want to call this Home Meteorite Lock because we will lock your home from getting struck by a deadly meteorite. Look at this. There's an actual photograph of an artist's rendering of a meteorite striking 
I guess it's hitting Georgia. I don't know where it is, but what it's an actual photograph. And you can have insurance against this for only $14.95 a month. Also, our gold sponsor today for all your real estate lending questions. Now you have a friend in the mortgage business. Pick up the phone and call Peter Burke, 678-557-9759. I am thrilled today because Peter has introduced to me today, and I'm going to share with you a new strategy called delayed financing that I think you're going to be very interested in. I would encourage you to pay close attention, at least for the first hour, because uh, the delayed financing strategy really has some neat features for people like you and me. Okay? So, so don't go anywhere, at least until noon. Um, and I would encourage you to stay after that because we're going to be looking at a really neat rental platform that has what I want you to have. And guess what? It's free. So let's forge ahead. The question is, here's my high school graduation picture. Who is John Adams and why should you listen to me other than the fact that I'm on Fox 5? regularly on Good Day Atlanta. And the answer is I've been a property manager in Georgia and a property owner for over 40 years. Uh, that is approaching 50 years now. I'm an investor and an entrepreneur. That was French for those of you from Smyrna. I'm, I've been a licensed Georgia broker since Margie told me she thought it was 78. Somebody needs to check on that. Um, and I've had no complaints so far, as far as I know, no, at least nobody from the Georgia Real Estate Commission has complained. I've never been arrested. I've never been bankrupt. I've been close, but I'm not going to tell you which. And I wrote the Landlord Survival Guide for Georgia, which is the best book ever written on landlording in the state of Georgia. And every year it has become more complex because every year the legislature, the courts, the federal government, and all of the federal agencies are making it increasingly complex and increasingly difficult for you and me to be just a simple landlord and handle our own rental property. Uh, and that's why I wrote the book. And if you'd like to get one, you can go and order it today at realestatecoffeebreak.com. But most importantly, I am an Eagle Scout, and that means I am trustworthy. Um, and those of you who are Eagle Scouts know what I'm talking about. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> I couldn't have done it without you. So housekeeping, please turn off your phone. Please put your questions in Q&A. You'll notice today there is no chat because some people insist on trying to chat. So put your questions in Q&A, please. Um, we're going to do a 45-minute presentation. Then we'll take a break and we'll answer your questions probably in the second hour. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we'll do Q&A until all our questions are answered. And of course, the recording of today's broadcast will be available on RE, 
it's realestatecoffeebreak.com, not R-E-C-B.com, realestatecoffeebreak.com. I just couldn't type it in there. Use, use Q&A, please, for your questions. So what is your number one goal for 2022? It should be to stay occupied and collect your rent. Okay. Number two, your goal for 2022. Number two goal, boost your income and lower your expenses at all levels. We're going to be talking about that almost continuously today. And number three, borrow as much as you can for as long as you can at an interest rate as low as you can. And that, my friends, is a call to action. You're going to be seeing this in demonstration during my segment with Peter Burke today on delayed financing strategy. I believe firmly that you can retire comfortably on as few as 10 rental units. Some people need more, some people need less, but 10 is a very realistic figure for you. And I recommend you consider buying a house a year for 10 years. This will be great if you're in your 20s. Now's the time to go ahead and do it. And you're saying, well, John, prices are so high. You know, I've been doing this for 50 years, people. And everybody said the entire time prices are too high. The only time prices weren't too high was when you could buy a three-bedroom, two-bath brick ranch in DeKalb County with a drive-under garage for $50,000 in 2011. And, and some people were complaining then. And we were smack dab in the middle of a recession. And that was a time to buy. There will be super times to buy in the future, but I'm telling you, there are bargains always. And if you wait and try to time the market, you're going to lose. Um, what does Warren Buffett say? The most important investment you can make is in yourself. And so I would ask you, what is your annual education budget? Yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm serious. You need to have a budget and you need to invest in education continuously. Warren Buffett also said, the only risk that you face is when you're doing something you don't understand, when you don't know what you're doing. Well, why not take advantage of somebody that does know what you should be doing and is willing to share their success with you. By the way, let's celebrate once again that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Agency Order on Evictions was overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States. Thanks, guys. The CDC never had any business. I've read the Constitution. There's nothing in it about the CDC. In fact, the CDC is not even mentioned in the Constitution. But even if it was, there certainly wouldn't be anything about limiting evictions. And as a result of this stupid experiment, we've ended up with an entire class of renters who thinks they don't need to pay rent now. Oh, it's going to take us a while to get beyond that, but at least the Supreme Court did the right thing. So our topics today, and this is not in any particular order, we're going to be looking at delayed financing, frozen water pipes, rents are up nationwide, and the invisible hand short video. 
So what are we going to do first here? Let's go ahead and talk about the delayed financing strategy. John Adams here with my very special guest and our weekly friend, Peter Burke from Reliant Mortgage Solutions. Hello, Peter. How are you? Hello, John. Thanks for this opportunity. Well, I am excited about our topic today because what you came up with for this week is something that I think most people are they're simply not aware is a possibility. And we've got a lot of people listening to this show right now who over their working life have set money aside. They've maybe got some money in retirement or savings, but they're not exactly sure how that might work to their benefit if they wanted to buy a house. You've got an idea. What's it called? It's delayed financing, and it eliminates the frustration factor of a home buyer getting beat out by cash offers. All right, well, this is happening more and more, and we're seeing these cash offers. They come in from investors. A lot of times they are over um, the uh, actual value of the property there, which is sort of sad, but let's see how this works. It's called delayed financing. So essentially what you're telling me is that, it, let's say I am the buyer, Mm -hmm. and I'm competing against uh, investors, and I know that, and they're making these all-cash offers. I've got the money, but I don't want to put all of my cash indefinitely into this house. So how does this work? Do I make an all-cash offer to the seller? Yes, but let's back up when you said, I've got the money. <clears throat> and um, Let's presume you're buying your first home and you've got 10% or 20% or 15% down payment, but you're being beat out by these cash offers. And if you're able to come up with the difference between what you've got and the purchase price, and that can come from any source, it can be um, and I want to say it can be someone loaning you money. It can be an in-law. It can be a sibling. It can be a friend, an ex-spouse, an employer. It can how be many ex-spouses? Wait, wait a minute. How many ex-spouses are willing to lend you the money for you to buy you a house after they dumped you? Well, if they want you out of the house you're in, maybe they'll loan it to you. <laughs> it's possible. All right, I'm beginning to get the idea here. So wherever the money comes from, I make as the purchaser an all-cash offer to the seller, which obviously is more attractive to that seller. But after closing, I finance the home, or that's almost a refinance, except there's no re involved, right? Uh, that, that's correct. And we've seen this transaction start the afternoon of the day you buy your house. Um, if you're prepared and ready to go, you can do that. As soon as you're on title, you can initiate that refinance. So if, if it happened, I mean, potentially, could we start uh, let's say we wanted to structure a transaction like this. Could I come to you even before I found the house and say, how would this work? And would this be an option for me? 
Absolutely. That's what we encourage everyone to get your ducks in a row before you go down this uh, this path. Okay, well, let's look at it a little more closely. I see you've got 80% here. Why not, although I probably would only get an 80% loan anyway if I were financing, but why not 90 or 95? Uh, it has to do with mortgage insurance uh, requirements. So you're limited to 80% of the purchase price and your purchase transaction costs. Okay, all right. And these those proceeds from that quote not refinance finance are used to to either pay back this or reimburse myself or pay back if i borrowed it from aunt sally um i pay her back if that could happen as quickly as a week or even sooner um it certainly would make her feel good wouldn't it uh, uh Absolutely. You are you are bar you are borrowing money from someone with the intent to pay it back 30 to 45 days after you get it. Okay. All right. Now let's assume 30 days from closing date of the purchase to the closing date of the refinance or delayed financing closing. Why would it typically take 30 days? Because that's about, I mean, I, 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 I've sent you a number of borrowers recently and they've closed within 30 days, most of them. We use 30 days as a rule of thumb. The reality is in this environment, you can probably get it done in shorter than 30 days, but just and, setting expectations up front, be prepared and, to repay that source within 30 days. Okay, and if we had started earlier, I'm assuming that would there would be a commensurate shortening of the period between the cash purchase and the refinance date. True. Okay. All right. So the home buyer, that's me, needs to have access to the cash prior to closing. I've called Aunt Sally. She said, John, I will lend you $250,000, but I need it back in 30 days. Um, uh, what does it mean for me to have access to it? Can I just, does it have to be in my account? No, the, Aunt Sally can wire it to the closing attorney on the day of the closing. Oh, that's in perfect, fact, because that's what know, Aunt Sally, Aunt yeah. Sally used to work in a closing attorney's office, and she's much happier wiring it to Dewey Cheatham and Howe than giving it to me, because she thinks I'm going to go out and buy a Lamborghini or something. So. In most instances, the person loaning the money for that purchase are wiring it directly to closing on the day of. So, uh, and interestingly, can I offer to pay Aunt Sally a reasonable rate of interest on the borrowed funds? You are welcome to negotiate uh, any terms between you and Aunt Sally. Okay, right, that's fair. Um, the cash can come from anyone or anywhere. Now, this is very interesting because you've said relative, and that's where um, um, Aunt Sally comes in. But you mentioned here a retirement account, um, and it truly looks like this could come from anywhere. Um, if I have a traditional IRA at Charles Schwab, and the money is sitting there in a 
some sort of account in a money market account, it's hardly earning anything. Um, could Aunt Sally have, or, or could somebody listening right now, if they had this money in an account, could they lend it to their child or to a, a close friend or a family member? How would that work? Uh, I, you can borrow it from your own account or the person loaning you the money can source it from their account. I know there are some uh, 60-day uh, requirements that I'm sure you can speak to on that. But um, wherever that funds can come from, but yes, it can come from an IRA or a 401k, um, wherever you're able to, yours or someone else's. Okay. And let's say Aunt Sally doesn't have any money, but she does have on her house, which is worth eight fifty. She has a um, uh, home equity line of credit. She could uh, take an advance. Would that wire work? the funds to the closing attorney? So the fact that she's borrowing it is not a problem. This yeah. is starting to look better and better. Okay. And the closing attorney handling the purchase needs to prepare a loan note. Now, how is a note different from a security deed? Because I know normally at closing, we see both of those. Well, uh, security deed is something recorded. Um, it's in, uh, it's in this case, there is no need to record a security deed. It's uncommon to rec record a note, but you don't have to unless the person loaning you the money um, wants a secured interest. But all we're asking is if the money is coming from a third party that you plan on repaying, just have a simple note prepared at the time of purchase documenting that, that note, that loan. So I normally think of the note as just like an IOU, which we don't record, and then uh, the security deed which is normally required in a traditional lending situation is what we think of in Georgia as the mortgage, right? right. So this is, this is where the uh, new owner, which would be me, is posting the property as collateral. But you're saying we don't do that when I'm borrowing this from Aunt Sally. It's not a requirement. Okay. It's just evidence that there was um, a, a loan proceeds it, highlighting the terms who the maker is obviously it's the person who bought the house and is applying for the refinance and the person who loaned the money and sally's the payee uh peter and the note note that must be recorded this seems uncharacteristically reasonable for fannie mae and freddie mac whose idea was this well, delayed financing has been around and it's just gotten a lot more interest. Um, and, um, you know, the documentation requirements are not very strenuous. So the idea is that, look, if you've already bought the house, there's already been a meeting of the minds in terms of price. Um, and I had I'm going to borrow the money to close it from Aunt Sally because she's got it. But the reality is within 30 days, I promised I would give Aunt Sally her money back. So you and I could start this process 
well before I even found the house that I want to buy so that I would have some assurance that when the time came, there would be a pretty good chance everything would work out, right? Uh, absolutely. You want to make uh, 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 give all parties confidence that the refinance transaction um, can be uh, 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 approved and funded quickly and efficiently. So and that's what our job is, is to make sure that there are no missing pieces to that puzzle. So, and the proceeds, just as Aunt Sally had her broker wire the money straight to the closing attorney, now, as soon as we close the refinance, um, the money goes straight back to Aunt Sally or wherever she directs. Is that correct? That, that's a requirement of these loans. If you borrowed the funds, the funds from the refinance have to be remitted back to that party. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So in a nutshell, why is this a good alternative? I understand that the ability that this would grant me to be able to, with Aunt Sally's prior approval and with getting together with you ahead of time and knowing this isn't going to be a problem, if that allows me to just um go under contract and say i will close within seven days we'd like a a cursory inspection and and uh three days uh, uh due diligence or something that's pretty impressive if i'm competing against these investors on their own terms essentially right it it puts you ahead of the pot ahead of the pack Absolutely. And this is a real, did you see that CoreLogic did a study that showed that during 2021, investors, on, I'm talking about single family homes only, investors acquired 26% of all single family homes in 2021. But in Atlanta, it's 43%. Wow. That is a significant percent of our market. So anybody who's saying, well, I don't have to worry about making a cash offer because I don't do that type of thing. 43% of the inventory is going to investors. Yeah. And I assure you, investors aren't making offers that require a, a contingency for financing. Uh, and Absolutely. Well, this will put you ahead of everyone or on equal footing with those investors. Good. I like it. And it beats other offers. Would you speculate that there are situations where a seller might actually take an offer that netted them less in order to have the assurance that they were going to get closed with a cash offer and not have to worry about a financing contingency. I'm sure it happens with much regularity. I, it, it just, I've seen it happen and it gets you the home that you need. And within X number of days, depending upon when you get started, and I'm going to recommend anybody that has an interest, contact you today, Peter, and say, let's start this conversation. Let's understand a little more about how it might work uh, I don't have an Aunt Sally, but I do have a maybe an Uncle Bob or or who knows. Um, but maybe, somebody maybe you have a, would... a generous friend or uh, a generous employer who says, "Look, uh, 
I can't give you the money, but I'll loan it to you if you can pay me back. Or maybe it's a combination of um, uh, an in-law, your, your parents are saying, well, we're gonna give you the 20% because you don't have it. Well, how about they give you the other 80 and the 20, you pay them back the 80 and that 20% remains as the gift. I like it. I really do like it. This is, it's a, it's a very, um, a, a little bit unusual form of financing, but I see the benefit. And in this very competitive market where we're dealing with people like, and I'm not singling anyone out, but Invitation Homes, I believe now has about 12,000 rental houses in the Atlanta area, and they're hoping to purchase more. If we're competing with people that just write a check, um, this gives us an advantage over certainly over the people who are making their offers contingent on this, that, the other, and financing, right? It, it, it will give you the advantage you need, yes. Very interesting. Peter, I always say after we talk, now you have a friend in the mortgage business, and, and I say start the conversation. Um, the sooner somebody picks up the phone and calls you or they just text you and say, hey, give me a ring, um, the sooner they can determine whether or not this might work for them or someone they know. Is there any prohibition on the, uh, in, in my uh, theoretical situation where I'm borrowing from Aunt Sally, is there any prohibition against my agreeing to pay Aunt Sally, say, 10%, John, within seven days of closing and when I pay her back. There is no prohibition against paying interest on if it is, a, and in most instances, it is a loan because that's yeah. why you're doing delayed financing. It's irrelevant to the transaction. Very, very interesting. 678-557-9759. Peter, you keep coming up with these great ideas. Um, and I think this is particularly relevant to the people who um, watch and listen to Real Estate Coffee Break because a lot of our audience has retirement accounts, a lot of them have savings, a lot of them have children uh, who are in an age group that needs to be buying a home right now and they're experiencing this very, very stiff competition. A very interesting strategy, and uh, once again, our thanks to you and the folks at Reliant Mortgage Solutions. Peter, thank you, sir. Thanks, John. Thanks, everybody. See you again real soon. Thank you. Very interesting. 678-557-9759. Uh, there are a number of things, um, and I'm going to stop that chair right now. There we go. There are a number of things that you need to be thinking about. Those of you, you know, people are at different stages in their investing life. Um, some people, um, like me, are at a later stage in their investing. We've been uh, we've worked hard for a number of years. 
Um, we've built up some things we've done without some other things. By the way, those of you who say, yeah, yeah, that's me. You're the ones who ought to come on the real estate marketing cruise <laughs> because one, you've got the money, two, you've earned it, and three, we're going to have a blast. I'm just telling you. Okay, but that's beside the point. Um, those of you who are at a stage where you have accumulated some funds, um, this is an opportunity for you to earn some pretty nice returns if you want to and assist a somebody who's in an acquisition phase who may be much younger, um, assist them with this delayed financing transaction. How would you secure that? Well, I can tell you from my point of view, and I've done this and I'll continue to do it, I'll lend you the money, but I'll take a note and a security deed. And as we learned in our interview with Peter, there's no prohibition against a security deed. In fact, I might take a security deed, not only on the property being acquired, but on something else that this person owns, who's borrowing, and I might do the lending. Is that giving you guys some ideas? Okay, well, if any of you out there has a lot of cash sitting around somewhere and it ain't earning much, send me an email, please. We'll talk uh, because there may be an opportunity. That's all I'm saying is there may be an opportunity. Also, for people who are in an acquisition phase, if you have decent credit, this is a tremendous opportunity to transform yourself from a traditional buyer who has to make their offers contingent upon financing into an all cash buyer and put you on a level playing field with the um, large syndicates that are buying up these rental houses like BlackRock and like Invitation Homes and and there are a lot of people out there just buying a lot of houses right now because they believe, as I do, that this inflation is going to continue for some time. And I'm not being negative here. I just, it looks to me like um, inflation is going to continue for a little while. And that's going to drive up housing prices. And people that buy now are going to say, or people that don't buy now, are going to look back and say, wow, I wish I had bought two or three little houses back in 2022 when they were giving them away for $250,000 or $300,000. How about that? So just a thought. Just a thought. Anyway, um, something to think about. And Peter Burke, thank you very much for that. Very interesting. It is now 41 minutes after the hour, and we're going to move on. And, and if you have any questions about this, you're welcome to shoot me an email. Oh, by the way, Margie, have you posted that on Peter's site? Yes. You can go to peterburke.net, P-E-T-E-R-B-E-R-K.net, peterburke.net, and there you can see that entire interview if you want to see it again. 
under learning. Click on learning. And and there's a contact form on the menu. So that's a way, another way you can reach Peter if you prefer to do it um, by traditional email or, or whatever, okay? PeterBurke.net. Um, and it's just very interesting strategy, and I appreciate uh, Peter. One of the things I like about Peter is he understands our needs as investors because he's been working with self-employed people, entrepreneurial people, investors like you and me, as well as just traditional buyers who want to buy a house. And he brings an accounting background. He is a non-practicing CPA, but he brings that accounting uh, background and that problem-solving background to the table, and I appreciate it. So thanks to Peter. All right, we are now going to... We're going to see a little, oh, this is fun. Hold on, hold on. I need to share my screen again. And let's go back over here. And we're going to share again. We've already seen this, okay? And so now we're going to, I want you to see a few little videos on capitalism because I continue to see evidence that we are just veering toward a government control. Now, maybe it's just me overreacting to masks and mandates and everything else, but as far as I'm concerned, boys and girls, this pandemic is over. I've had it. And, oh, I gotta get something better than that up here, so. There we go. So um, I want to give you guys this morning just some very brief talking points on what is capitalism and why it is the single best economic system ever discovered. It's not perfect, but it has lifted more people. Capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty than any, by far, than any other economic system. So watch this, please. What is capitalism? The civilization of mankind can be traced to the establishment of property rights. With property rights, individuals could own land, capital, and goods, and then trade or sell them to others. This economic activity is referred to as the market. This doesn't mean it necessarily takes place in a physical market. It simply means that goods and services are voluntarily traded. For most of human history, property rights have been limited to those in power. For example, a king or lord had ultimate control over those who lived under their protection. If the king desired beets, farmers were to farm beets. If the lord needed horseshoes, blacksmiths forged horseshoes. Ordinary people had the ability to trade among themselves, but those in power could direct their production if they so desired, or punish those who resisted. The emergence of capitalism changed this. Capitalism is mass production of goods to satisfy the needs of the greatest number of people. Capitalism was revolutionary by recognizing property rights for all, regardless of background and social standing. Under capitalism, even the most vulnerable in society had an absolute claim to their own labor and property. 
It did not guarantee equality of property, but capitalism eliminated any right by anyone else to infringe upon it. In doing so, capitalism empowered consumers, rather than those in power, to influence what was produced in the economy. This happens via the profit mechanism. If enough people demand a good, and it can be sold for more than it costs to produce, that means the production of that good is profitable. Some of the richest people in the world today have made their money not by appealing to the rich, but by appealing to the masses. Walmart's business model, for example, is geared towards selling goods cheaply to as many people as possible. Critics of capitalism try to condemn it as greed. This is false. Greed and envy are human vices, and they exist in any economic system. What capitalism does is incentivize the production of goods and services that people desire on the market, rather than leaving those decisions to powerful individuals or governments. Throughout human history, we have seen property rights and markets lift billions of people out of poverty. Everywhere in the world, property and economic freedom are correlated with improved quality of life, health, and life expectancy. Capitalism is a peaceful system of collaboration between producers and consumers, and functions by the wants and needs of the greatest number of people. The government plays no role in a truly capitalist system. When the government interferes and forces regulations on producers and consumers, it ceases to be a capitalist system. Capitalism is freedom of consumer choice. Very interesting. Now keep watching because it gets better from here. What? The only countries in the world in which low-income people have managed to get a halfway decent level of living are those which rely on capitalist markets. Just compare, the, just compare the quality of life, the level of living of the ordinary people in Russia and the ordinary people in, I won't say the United States, but in France, in Italy, in Germany, in England, or in Hong Kong. Compare Hong Kong with China, mainland China. Hong Kong, the question is, every society is driven by personal interest. Mainland China is driven by personal interest. The question is, how is personal interest disciplined? Mm -hmm. If the only way you can satisfy your personal interest is by getting somebody that other people want to pay for. Or by forcing it down other people's throats at the point of a gun, I suppose. If you can at do the it extreme. at the extreme, but that won't, that won't get their cooperation. You may be able to kill them. You may be able to take their wealth, but it won't create any more wealth. So the only society which have been able to create broadly based relative prosperity have been those societies which have relied primarily on capitalist markets. That's true whether you take Hong Kong versus mainland China, East Germany versus West Germany, Czechoslovakia before World War II and currently. You cannot find a single exception to that proposition. So that personally, Adam Smith put it best over 200 years ago when he said the pursuit of people who intend only to pursue their self-interest are led by an invisible hand to promote the public interest even though that was no part of their intention.
Mr. Ford did Smith... not. Mr. Ford did not develop the Ford car for the public interest. He did it for his private interest. But Anna Smith also saw a role for government. He also saw, for example, in the administration of justice, didn't he? So do I. I am not a zero government person. I think there is a real role of government, and one of the reasons I object to so many of the things that government has gotten into is that it prevents government from performing its proper role. You have a two-year-old granddaughter? Yes. And her name is? Uh, her name is Becca. Becca. When you look at Becca, what do you see for her and for her future? That depends entirely on what you and your fellow citizens do to our country. If you and your fellow citizens continue on moving more and more in the direction of socialism, not only inspired through your drug prohibition, but through the socialization of schools, the socialization of medicine, the uh, regulation of industry, I see for my granddaughter the equivalent of Soviet communism three years ago. Oh, dear. That's not what we wanted to hear, is it? Well, what can I say except... Uh, um, we heard Dr. Friedman talk about the invisible hand. And this is a, a metaphor that was used by Adam Smith in his book, The Wealth of Nations. And it's a metaphor for the unseen forces that move the free market economy. I'm not saying capitalism is perfect, it's not. And I'm not saying there's no role for government, but I am saying, see if I can get this to work, there we go. I am saying that through individual self-interest and freedom of production and consumption, the best interest of society as a whole are fulfilled. I see this in real estate. Um, I bought a house a couple of years ago. It was then a dump. I was not in a position to do anything with it. And so I rented it for a very low rental for a couple of years to the person who was already in it. They were happy to have it. They didn't ask for any repairs because they knew that they were paying so little that I could just throw them out. <laughs> and break even just about, but they got to live someplace. Anyway, we finally, they moved on, and I decided this is a great time to fix this house up and make it beautiful. And I am now investing my own money into this particular house in hopes of making it very attractive to somebody who is looking for a clean, decent, affordable place to live. And I hope to put it on the market for around $210,000, $220,000. I don't know what it's gonna be worth. Depends on how much work we do, but I'm telling you it's right now it's, it's ugly and my guys are over there working on it. And by the way, they are getting paid quite well. And when they get done, I, they will have taken this silk purse, uh, a sow's ear, and made it into a silk purse. It's going to be beautiful. And somebody is going to come across it and say, you mean I can live here in this three-bedroom, two-bath house, and it's only going to cost me X number of dollars per month? 
Where uh, call Peter Burke quick. <laughs> and so I'm I'm just telling you, um, we need to think more about being involved in our political situation today. And that's all I'm going to say. Um, the constant interplay of individual pressures on market supply and demand causes the natural movement of prices and the flow of trade. And that applies to real estate as well. And the same thing is true, by the way, for rent. The invisible hand metaphor, listen to this, distills two critical ideas. First, voluntary trades in a free market produce unintentional and widespread benefits. Okay. And second, these benefits are greater than those of a regulated planned economy. Why do you think real estate investors are flocking to Georgia as opposed to New York City? Because they have rent control in New York City and the owners have had their property not seized by the government, but they might as well have been they are regulated they are planned to be at a reasonable level that's called rent control now it prevents the owner from making a profit i don't know why people own property in new york city I, it doesn't make any sense to me but those investors are being driven to georgia and as a result the prices are going up surprise that's the invisible hand and I just want you people to, to think about it and know that this is something that is taking place all the time. And we are at risk of losing the benefit when we allow government to control our lives more and more and more. So, so much for that. Um, and we're not going to spend a lot of time more on it. Uh, we are coming up on the top of the hour real quickly i want to talk to you about frozen water pipes and then we will uh, uh talk about some other things in the next hour but uh if you're like me you've got some rental properties out there and here we are in february well guess what happens sometimes it gets really cold and we almost had this happen uh, this past week or 10 days, we fortunately dodged a bullet in Metro Atlanta. Um, and it's rare that we have a sustained sub-zero weather in Georgia, but it does happen on occasion. And when it does, water pipes start busting all over the place because we are not set up for that level of cold weather. I've seen rental houses recently that had water pipes that went outside the house. I know, I know it's not supposed to be that way, but people do things like that. And it's okay. That's, that's not unusual in Florida, but it's, it's dangerous in North Georgia is all I'm going to say. And I encourage you real quickly, here's some thoughts before we go to break. Um, here's some thoughts from Consumer Reports. You ready? This is just from an article that I borrowed from them. First, keep, and you should be uh, copying this and send this out to your tenants. 
keep the garage doors closed, especially if there are water supply lines in the garage, and there may very well be. Okay, keep the garage doors closed. <laughs> Number two, open the kitchen and bathroom cabinets. That allows the warmer air to circulate around the plumbing, especially if your sinks are on an exterior wall. And guess what? Your sinks in your rental house are all on an exterior wall. So what you've got is plumbing coming up that exterior wall to get to the sink, and it's only inches from the outside of the dwelling, which means it's vulnerable or more vulnerable, if you will. Um, if you have small children, be sure to remove any harmful cleaners and household chemicals. You don't want them eating the Tide or the, what is it, Cascade packages or Tide packages. Can you believe kids were eating those? They have bright colors. I don't know. Uh, number three, um, tell the tenants to let the cold water drip from a faucet served by exposed pipes. If you run water through a pipe, even at a trickle, it helps prevent the pipes from freezing. Okay, so the cost of additional water is, even overnight, is nothing compared to the cost of bringing a plumber in to fix a couple busted water pipes. And let me tell you something, it, when it happens, it can happen 10 times in the same property. And you, you have a house with 10 busted water pipes, you might as well replace the plumbing. It may be cheaper to replace the plumbing than to fix 10 breaks. I'm just, I've been, I've been through this. I know you're saying, well, John, what with global warming, we probably won't have this problem. I hope we don't have this problem. Suggestion for your tenants number four, keep the thermostat set to the same temperature day and night. Again, during a cold snap is not the time to set back the thermostat to save a few bucks on your heating bill. If we're looking at really cold weather, which may very well be coming, we've had snow as late as May? March 15th. March 15th. Margie reminds me March 15th was a heavy snow day in North Georgia one time. And I don't remember if we had frozen pipes or not, but it wouldn't surprise me. So all I'm saying to you is you've still got time. Um, number five, if you plan to be away during cold weather, this happened to me. We have rental property surrounding Emory University. A lot of the people we rent to are Emory related. They're either graduate students or they're younger members of faculty or they're in graduate programs or whatever. And guess what? Emory shut down one year uh, for a three week Christmas break. Oh, they never, they can't call it Christmas break anymore, but holiday break seasonal break, whatever it is. Anyway, all of my tenants left to go back to Minneapolis where they're from. Not Minneapolis, they all live in New York and Miami. And so they all left and they turned the heat in their houses and apartments off or, or to a very low level because they didn't wanna have to pay to heat a place. You need to make sure these tenants understand that if they do that, they are responsible for the frozen or broken water pipes. And then number six, for the long term, 
Don't forget to add insulation to attics, basements, crawl spaces. Insulation is going to help maintain a higher temperature in those areas. And you got to prevent drafts. You got to seal cracks, openings around windows, doors, sill plates where the house rests on its foundation. And that's just part of an annual inspection. So if you want a copy of this, uh, shoot uh, me an email or something, um, and I'll be happy to send this over to you. I do encourage you to send a reminder to your tenant now, reminding them to steps to prevent frozen pipes. They should also be checking their smoke detectors. You should require a response from them that says, yes, I received this. And then both what you sent and the response needs to go into that tenant's permanent record. Why are we doing this? Because that record demonstrates your fulfillment of your duty of care. Okay. And also it might save a life. It certainly might save you a lot of plumbing costs, but more importantly, especially the smoke detector might save a life. And it's so important that people have a working smoke detector and you're responsible for it whether you like it or not. Uh, also, while you got them, remind them to clean the gutters or have the gutters cleaned. I can't tell you, my tenants just love to leave the gutters full all winter and it does damage to my property. Uh, your lease, if you're using the killer lease, says they are responsible for the cleaning of the gutters as well as other work. Uh, and if they don't do it, you can have it done at their expense. And also remind them to change the furnace filter, which should always be done for their health and safety. A new filter cleans allergens out of the air, so they'll be healthier. How about that? Okay. Hey, guess what? It is 12 o'clock. We are going to have a quick intermission here. Watch this. Yay! And uh, it worked. And we're going to have a quick intermission. I'm going to get another cup of coffee. Uh, Ian Robbins, my evil twin, will be joining us as we go into the landlord hour. I hope you'll stay with us. We'll be right back after this brief message. What a great motion picture. If you have not seen South Pacific from 1958, a very, very interesting um, and emotionally uplifting um, um, adaptation, a screen adaptation of a great Broadway play brought to us by Rogers and Hammerstein. So, uh, whoops. I don't think there's ever been a, a duo like Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein. They were just dynamite. But uh, anyway, um, we've had several people ask questions about the delayed marketing strategy. Um, I thought, um, let's see, I'm going to stop sharing here and come back over here. Ian Robbins joins us now as our very special guest and guest host here in the Landlord Hour. Hello, Ian. Hi, John. How are you today? I am, I am 
I'm well today. Thank you. If I were any better, I'd be twins. Business is great. People are wonderful. Life is terrific. And I thought the delayed financing strategy brought to us by Peter Burke was a very interesting opportunity, both for people who are in an acquisition stage in their investing, as well as for people who are in a um, retiring mode or, or a mature investor who doesn't want as much of the toilets, tenants, and taxes. And, and they may have built up a cash reserve or they may have an IRA or something, but they would like to get a decent return on it. And this is, I just see lots of win-win transactions. What do you think? I agree, John. I think it's very creative. I think it, it hits both levels as you discussed. And I think, as you say, it's a good time to start the conversation with Peter and look at some options. Very good. Well, you and I, um, had a couple of things that we needed to cover and let me, oh, let's do questions first. Um, um, loved that edition, that rendition of proud to be an American. Thank you, Georgia Lamar. I love you too. Anonymous says, what's the best way, uh, to accept payment on an owner three people finance note, then have the payment split and sent to each of the three. I don't know how you do that. You're going to have to pay somebody to do it. Um, and it needs to be somebody you trust, which to me sounds sort of like an attorney um, or a bank. I don't know. Um, Ian, any ideas? If, if you needed to send... Um, if, if somebody was remitting money to you and me, but we wanted separate checks, but they wanted to make a single payment. Margie's just chimed in Zell. I guess that would work. Absolutely. They can just split it up that way. And there's no, you don't have to trust anybody because the sender could set it up in thirds. Well, the, concern I have there is I want to make sure that you get paid because I don't want the, the person paying me my share, but not you, your share. Well, Margie says that still using Zelle, we could have the money all sent to me and then I would send it to the other people, but that's assuming everybody trusts me. Well, why wouldn't they? I mean, I am an Eagle Scout. Let's just be honest here, okay? So um, anonymous, I don't know exactly how you'd set that up. Um, certainly one way to do that, especially if you are using an attorney on a regular basis is to go to that attorney. They do have an escrow trust account that is, um, they're required to have that by um, the Bar Association and that, escrow trust account is monitored by the bar association as well as by title companies on a regular basis. So um, paying an attorney to receive those funds, split them up and disperse them and maintain a record of it um, would be one way to do it. A real estate broker could do it, but I don't recommend that because one, the broker is not going to want to do it because they're not getting anything out of it. And number two, um, 
I just think you have a higher level of scrutiny with an attorney than you do a uh, a realtor a real estate broker's escrow trust account. Does that make sense, Ian? I think John, that's a wonderful answer because of another reason. Even if you trusted one of the three, um, sometimes things happen physically to that person that they can't do the disbursement. Where if it's going through a corporation, if something happens to that attorney, there's other people to back up that attorney to c- continue that promise. So it's I like that. You're exactly right, and that's that's uh, the gist of the answer. Good interpretation. All right, here's a question. Uh, Sean says, heard, heard saying that you have to wait for six months after you purchase a house with cash and before a lender would consider your refi. Is that generally the case? The six month provision is when you're trying to do a cash out refi based on improvements that you've made to the property since you acquired it. Okay, so that's not the same as the delayed financing strategy. Um, Those are two different animals. Um, The six month, that's called a seasoning period, and it is designed to prevent scammers and fraudsters from flipping in a negative way houses. In other words, taking something of no value, artificially driving up the value, say by Um, bribing an appraiser, let's say, and saying, oh, it's worth a lot more now. Can I pull the money out immediately? And Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have said, hey, let's slow this down a little bit and make it six months. If it is truly your goal to own this property for some time, then six months is not going to be an issue. And John, I appreciate uh, that that question from our listener because uh, when I was getting started, I didn't know of Peter Burke, but I had heard about seasoning and I was talking to a regular lender, let's call them. And they're fine people and they're good with traditional houses. But I said, can you, what about seasoning? And they said, yeah, we do vacation rentals too. And, and they didn't understand. And it really adds value to what Peter does because I've always said there's only a small percentage of people that really understand the investor financing doesn't mean the other lenders aren't excellent. It's just that not necessarily for investors. Thank you for saying that because I don't want uh, uh, Joe from Joe's mortgage company calling me up and saying, Hey, all you ever mention is Peter. Well, one, he's a sponsor of the program. Okay. Uh, but more importantly, he has ex- vast experience in dealing with Borrowers who are entrepreneurs like you and me, borrowers who are real estate investors like you and me, and people that are looking for um, uh, like self-employed borrowers. And that's a little bit different kind of lending. And so I I think you're exactly right. Uh, You'll love this. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to dovetail on what you brought up that those videos, uh, um, the last hour I thought were fantastic. And I, I want to share something with you that one thing I've learned about capitalism, and we can talk all day about capitalism. It's an excellent subject that you brought up. Thank you. But um, I've always heard that if you watch the people who own the tools, 
you'll understand who's going to make the money. And that makes sense because they are the ones that are investing. So when I buy a rake, a shovel, a pressure washer, simple things that I can do, I actually have no problem because I'm going to be investing in my business. I'm going to use that tool. And then when I hand it to somebody else to use it and they haven't taken the, they don't have the ability to have their own, that's where I make the money. Where you, you're fixing up this house, you're not going there as deep down as I am, but, but the same principle applies. I'm sure your, your vendors own those tools that they come out with. They don't go up to you, John, and say, now, John, when are you going to bring a hammer to this house? <laughs> you know, I, for, for 20 years, I had a contractor who used my tools. He was good. He could do everything. But if I would buy a hammer, he had a key to my house. And sometimes when I didn't even know it, he would come over, go in my basement, get the tools he needed, and go do the job. And he would say, oh, John, I, oh, John I had to borrow some of your tools. I'll get them back to you. And then I'd never see him again. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, John, on the flip side, one time I've had a lot of people that don't have their own tools, and I'm happy to hand them the tools because sure. Or the material, and I know I'm going to make the money. But one time I hired a guy. He didn't have a case of tools. He had a truck of tools. And I, I just walked away. I, I knew it was going to go well. He did a great job because yeah. he had tools he used once a year on that truck. It was yeah. incredible. Well, I, and you're exactly right. If if someone does not have the tools, you should be suspicious if they have the skills. <laughs> All right, next question. David says, when I started in the early 80s, I used credit cards to buy the first four or five houses, slightly improved and borrowed based on value. A banker recommended it. Wow. I never paid over two months interest on the card. David, I think that's a brilliant strategy, but I would caution people against over-reliance on short-term appreciation because we don't know what can happen in the economy tomorrow and a lot of it is frankly beyond our control. Um, in the event, heaven forbid, that the President of the United States, my President, were to be assassinated, and I, I, I pray that that would not be the case, but in the event that that happened, it would cause um, serious uh, repercussions in our economy uh, simply because of the um, uncertainty surrounding the business world and the government world during a period uh, post uh, a leaderless position, let's say. Obviously, the vice president would become president. You know, we don't need to go into all that. But my point here is that if you are undergoing, undertaking a strategy like David here, where you are using a credit card to buy a house, which I'm not opposed to, you better be daggone sure that you're going to be able to pay that credit card off because you don't want to get stuck paying 18% on a... Well, John, a, you got, I just got a call from Dave Ramsey. He said, you need to tell David he can't be using the credit card. <laughs> but David, we respect you here on this show, but Dave Ramsey called and, and he's freaking out right now because of how you did it. But we're well, with you, but you got to be careful, just like John said. 
I'll, I'll tell you what, David, I would prefer instead of you or anybody listening or viewing right now, instead of using a credit card, call me and I'll get you in touch with Ian. Ian has all the money in the world and he will be your partner on that next great deal. Okay. Or, or I'll talk with you about it or whatever. Um, someone has asked, how can we get in touch with Ian Robbins? Contact information. What would you say to them, sir? Oh, I'm honored. Uh, please reach me if you don't mind me giving my email address and phone number. Or, or... Fine. So my email address is landlordhelp10, the number 10, at yahoo.com. So landlordhelp, and then 10 at yahoo.com. And then my phone number is 770-899-8801. All right. Um, I have always reached Ian through landlordhelp10 at yahoo.com, and it works like a charm. So uh, you must watch your email inbox 24-7 because I've emailed you in the middle of the night and gotten a reply. I work a lot of hours, but it's, it's yeah, a lot of that's, fun. That's scary. Okay. Um, can you suggest alternative methods of accepting rental payments other than by check or money order? Interestingly, we have already mentioned Zelle, um, which is what I have chosen. Um, there are a variety of different ways. Uh, some are free, like I think Cozy, C-O-Z-Y, is it cozy.com or something like most of the landlord platforms, including one Ian, that you and I are going to look at in just a minute will allow you to accept either ACH payments or allow the person to use a credit card, but then charge that person a fee. So there, there are alternatives out there and we're going to look at avail in just a minute or two, but, Margie and I have decided on Zelle simply because it is instantaneous and it cannot be reversed. Um, the You know, I, how many times, Ian, have you heard, oh, the rent's in the mail. I put it in the mail. <laughs> the check's in the mail. I'm still waiting. Years ago, I had that. Still waiting. I have to admit one time I had a tenant that just, demanded that they had mailed it. And and you remember, I always tell people use blue envelopes that are pre-printed with my PO box. So it, and it says place stamp here and it looks very official. Uh, and they paid, they had to stop payment on that check. They said, I didn't know if they were making it up or not, but lo and behold a full 90 days later i got a plastic bag delivered with a stick-on label from the post office that said the the enclosed pieces of paper were found um stuck in a postal machine yeah, and actually. it was it was the blue envelope their check everything they said it was, but it was all mangled up and it had apparently fallen behind the machine. And then somebody was sweeping later and found it and decided we better mail this. So I guess it had been to the dead letter office. I don't know, but how many times have the checks in the mail? I like Zelle. And uh, the reason is again, one, it's instantaneous. When they hit send in three to five minutes, I have the money unrestricted. It's in my account. There's no holding. 
Number two, if they change their mind and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to, I'm going to undo that. They can't undo it. They can't stop payment on it. Once, uh, once they push it, it is gone. Ian, what do you recommend for uh, alternative methods to check or money order? I'm very much a fan of uh, Zelle also because it's free. Uh, I think it's quite brilliant. I don't know how many banks, but the banks got together legally, I'm sure, under the guise of the federal government and yep. came up with this system and it works. And it, nowadays I pay vendors with Zelle, gives me a record. I can then for my tax person be able to say, here's why I paid them. And it's very well done. I'm, I'm really impressed and really it's a, excellent answer also for cozy or others that they do charge where the banks are going to help you out for free. Exactly. <laughs> and one thing most people are not aware of is that um, there are what are called member banks and then there are affiliate banks and every bank in the world is an affiliate. I'm sorry, in the United States is an affiliate. So for example, um, uh, you might have an account with uh, First National Bank of Hayhira, Georgia. They are not one of the owners of Zelle. Right? Who are the owners? Well, it doesn't matter, but it's uh, Wells Fargo, uh, Bank of America, and about 20 or 30 other of the big, big banks. But they have decided this is such a Money savings for them, since they end up transferring money constantly between each other, that they are willing to allow these smaller banks to participate for free. And if you bank at First National Bank of Hayhira, uh, what will happen is you need to go set up your account at Zelle, naming First National Bank of Hayhira and your account number. They will send a test deposit to make sure it gets there of just a few cents. Once you confirm that, they will make that available. So uh, you do not have to bank and neither does your tenant. However, I would say this, your tenant does have to have some sort of FDIC banking presence. It can be a savings account. It can be a checking account. It, but it, you know, if, if the person does not have any bank presence, I don't know that there's a way to use Zelle. Well, John, John, I think what the, the questioner is asking is probably about PayPal or Venmo or Cash App. And yeah, if, if that was the only method, I would do that. I'm good on PayPal and I have my kids help me with Venmo and, and Cash App and we'd get the, we'd get the money. But the, you know, one thing about PayPal though, I mean, they charge a big fee. I mean, geez. I mean, you can lie and say it's a friend to friend thing, but you can't do that. Zelle is better, but I get it. If they don't have a bank, that would be a way. If they pay the fee, sure. I, I take PayPal because what I would do is then set it up for PayPal to transfer to my regular bank. And it's an extra step that I would be willing to take, but not to pay the fee. Yeah, I have done that as well. I've never used them, but I've talked to some other landlords. You mentioned Venmo, and I've, I don't know much about it, but I've heard it works just fine. So, you know, there are a lot of different ways, but thanks for the question. Okay. Well, my kids we, are listening, so I needed to make sure that they knew I knew existed. So that's good. <laughs> okay. Uh, one quick question. How does 
then the tenant hook up with Zelle. You need to, as the landlord, first set yourself up with Zelle, and then it will tell you how to, that person is actually becoming a vendor to you. And they have to pay you. Well, actually, you're the vendor, I guess. And they have, in order for them to pay you, you will send them instructions. You and have to either set it up with either an email address or a cell phone number. All right. Margie says you have to have either an email address or a cell phone number. But it doesn't have to be your personal email address. You can set up a different email address for your rent. Okay. It doesn't have to be your email address, but it has to be one that's used only for that. Um, but it can be your email address. So this is this is funny. Um, well, John, before you get to the next question, one, one word of caution for everybody, which we all constantly need to be reminded. I got an email from PayPal. Now, at least it appeared to be PayPal was a bad actor. And I know we talk about that a lot. And I got scared because I thought they were they wanted some information and said, yeah, we have this problem. Go into your account. And I almost gave them a lot of money. I ended up taking everything out of PayPal, a big part of the amount. I felt very vulnerable that I almost got it. So be careful with those, I guess, any electronic transfer. There's a lot of bad actors out there. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I like about Zelle is that uh, once you have confirmed that you have the right identification, you push that button, the money is gone. That's also uh, a, a, a cautionary tale, because if you use Zelle to pay, you can't get that money back, so you better make sure it's going to the right place. But well, well spoken. I, I think this is funny. Do you remember I said that David bought five houses with credit cards? He replied, I was 30 years old and didn't give a damn. <laughs> but anyway, the answer is, um, um, with uh, with Zelle, once you have hooked your account to Zelle, Zelle will will provide you with information to tell people how to pay you, and they will set it up with the tenant. Okay, so those are our questions. Um, Ian, why don't we talk a little about um, Avail? You want to do that? Oh no, sure. no, no, no! I have something first. I have something first. You're gonna like this. I think we're going to go here and then I'm going to, huh? Well, I had hoped that, oh, okay. Rents are up. Look at this. I found this somewhere. Uh, can you see that? Yeah. Two bedroom units have the fastest growing rent rates in the nation. Now this is nationwide. Rents are up 14%. And this is based on Realtor.com's most recent data. Two bedroom units have seen the biggest increase in rent price compared to one bedroom and studio units. Pandemic inspired preferences for more space coupled with renters increasing desire for larger homes has helped the median monthly rent for two bedroom uh, units increase by $233, bringing the national median rent to $1,855, 14% higher than last year. Ian, 
have you raised all of your rents $233? Not some yes, some no. Well, I would just encourage everyone within the sound of my voice or, or the video that we're watching. And of course, the median doesn't necessarily mean the market will um, uh, tolerate that type of increase. And I can certainly see if you tried to go up on a good tenant by $233, they might decide to move. But remember, they've got to find something to replace you. And this is why I want to encourage everyone listening to me. If you are a landlord, at least think about a nuisance rent increase once a year. Because if you don't do that, it raises an expectation that the rents aren't going up. When in fact, your costs are going way up and the tenant becomes insulated from that. They think you are protecting them and you end up eating the additional costs. So uh, that's why we wrote the nice rent increase letter that we've talked about uh, that tries to show respect for the tenant and um, compliments them and then says, um, you know, we do need to raise the rent, but we hope this is not too much for you because we don't want to lose you. Um, we've had good luck with that. So if anybody wants a copy of that, let me know. I think Peter Burke has it on his website as well. Um, so anyway, get hey, hold John, of it. A couple of comments about that? Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, so I used the nice rent increase letter and quick story. I, I sent uh, something. I said, listen, why don't you give me a call? We could discuss it, but I'm going to increase it a certain amount. And then I'll have you sign this form via DocuSign. And before I could, I don't know, maybe it was 15 minutes later, one of my tenants signed it and sent it right back. She knew that it was a fair increase and she wasn't about to leave. The other ones, they didn't send it right back, but sure enough, they said, no problem, we're good because you're spot on. They get it. They look at the marketplace, they're reading the same, some of the same articles and they do understand and they feel fortunate. I had a friend yesterday tell me where he had a situation where the lady was a great tenant, absolutely great tenant for years. He hadn't raised the rent. She had a situation and she said, I have to go to a hotel. Well, every landlord listening to me, including yourself, the minute they start talking about the hotel, that's a problem. And, and this landlord was quite smart. He said, listen, I haven't raised your rent. Let's not do this hotel thing and we'll figure this out and we'll, unless you want me to let make you leave and she stayed and it, it was it was a very friendly relationship whereas sometimes when they talk about the hotel there's a problem there it's not that bad no it, it and the other thing is this like you said these people read the same articles we do obviously um for those of you watching ian and i um all week long are watching uh, media sources specifically related to landlord tenant issues, rents, mortgage rates, um, those types of things so that we can bring you news that we think is important to you. That's part of our job. But uh, Ian's right. These people are also reading the newspaper. They That was on the front page of the AJC 
a few weeks ago that rents were up all across metro Atlanta and they can't help but know they hear from their friends what they're paying and it's just that rents are up all over the place but Ian I think you're brilliant to at least bring it to their attention if they can't truly can't handle it and they're a great tenant work with them you have my permission hey it's your property you know <laughs> and if they're good and if they're good tenants as we said a a good tenant is a very valuable asset, but I appreciate the land, the killer lease, because even inside the killer lease, you could even endure it. You could even increase the rent, even if it hasn't expired yet. The, the lease hasn't expired, which is quite good. But going back to that graphic that you put up, one thing though, John, it's a little confusing, I think, to our listeners with the Landlord Survival Guide. Not that it's not right, but it talks about a two bedroom. And, and I get it. There's a lot of two bedrooms and you made a point that people want more space. But for our listeners and our audience, I think we should always be focused. And I know I'll get some criticism on it, but you've taught us in the Landlord Survival Guide a three bedroom, two bath. Not that this isn't a good statistic. The other thing about the median is, you know, you've got New York City, you've got San Francisco, you've got some very high markets. It doesn't mean that Atlanta is not high, don't get me wrong, but median, it can be a, 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 a statistics can, can hurt you a little bit. Um, I, I agree completely. And um, this stunned me. And so I share it with you. And Ian, you've been to Florida, we'll talk about this, but I think you and I should go uh, immediately to Let's Tampa St. Pete. <laughs> Absolutely, look at that, 33%. It's in like a, one year. And and uh, isn't that amazing? Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm, increasing by 31%. But the number one, uh, according to Realtor.com, last year was Tampa, St. Petersburg, Clearwater. And uh, I'm just going to say, I think a sleeper community in Florida is Jacksonville. And... As right. you know, Margie and I have rental, we have interest in rental property in Glen County, Georgia, Brunswick and St. Simons, which is just an hour north of Jacksonville. And I keep threatening to go down there and find something that I can convert <clears throat> into clean, decent, affordable housing. And Margie's told me that I can't do it. I've been forbidden, she who must be obeyed. Um, but I'm telling you, I think that if I were 30 years younger, 40 years younger, I would go down to, I would get on the internet and start looking in Jacksonville. That's one of the great things about the internet, Ian, is that um, we can research markets without ever going there. Absolutely, John. But the first thing I would do on the internet is look at the tenant landlord law of Florida. Yeah. Familiarize myself with that because she taught us well. But if you don't mind, I'm going to get a little negative, but I think it's important for our listeners about sure. these increases. Yeah. And one, one of the problems I think we all have is because of these increases, you end up having displaced tenants. So there's some good tenants that have that they're okay with a nuisance increase. Some decide to move out 
and move in with to your home and become unauthorized tenants to the houses you rented. And I see a lot of tenants, a lot of landlords have said that to me. And so I think we should be aware of that is a real problem because yeah, this is a good time to be a landlord, but you might have some extra guests that you didn't know about. And I've given that a lot of thought and I get it. You know, the argument on one side is, well, there's more paychecks coming in. So they'll be able to pay the higher rent. That's true. But I have the right to know who's in my house. And one of the things I've decided that I was doing poorly is not getting enough ID for each person in the house, because then I can make it a standard for fair housing that everybody who's in the house, I have a driver's license copy. I have I have the proper ID because if there was an accident or a terrible, terrible situation, I need to know who's living in that home. Sure, sure. I mean, and sure. the other thing that you probably haven't thought of is thanks to the uh, ICE and the Department of Homeland Security, you can now use an arrest warrant as um, uh, ID. Arrest warrant. These are things I don't think about. An arrest warrant <laughs> as ID. Okay. Is, is that what's well, good for? I mean, the airlines accept an arrest warrant now as ID. An arrest warrant as ID. Okay, I'll call, get with you next week. I gotta give that. Some we we may have to investigate that. Don't anybody try that? No, no, I'm not saying it's not right. Where do you get? How do you get an arrest warrant? I, I assume thinking. you how get, get an arrest. You get an arrest warrant if you are the subject of the warrant. I get that, but. Where do they double check? Well, these are people who have, these are, I'm going to be politically correct. Margie is screaming for me to not pursue this. If I was a migrant who came to the southern border and ICE was not expecting me, theoretically, they would turn me loose and uh, tell me I could fly uh, and assuming that they wanted to arrest me for some reason, they would give me a warrant for my arrest. And that is legal identification for United States Airlines now. Got it. So, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just telling you what I've heard. So anyway, let's move on before Margie divorces me. Um, and she's in the kitchen yelling, thank you, thank you. I don't need this kind of harassment. <laughs> she said, yeah, you do. <laughs> okay, well, let's go to, um, oh, let's go back to, I want to look at a platform you and I talked about, I think about a year ago, because, um, let's see if this works. I have to click into this. That's what I always forget. There we go. Um, do you remember, Ian, we talked about avail.co, which is a landlord platform that offers a variety of service levels. And they were acquired for something incredible, like $100 million by Realtor.com. Now, we need to make it clear that Realtor.com is not owned by the National Association of Realtors. It was at one time through a series of blunders 
NAR divested it and sold it, and it now belongs to somebody else. Um, and that's beside the point. There is Realtor.com is continuing to try to compete with Zelle. And so uh, because Zelle has been so successful in landlording circles, I'm sorry, not Zelle, Zillow, Zillow. Uh, you know, you mention a Z word and it just burns in my memory. Not Zell, Zillow. And so anyway, Realtor.com, not wanting to fall behind Zillow any more than they already have, um, acquired Avail.co and said to the founders and the employees, we want you to stay on and we want you to offer more services that landlords will be attracted to and come be part of the realtor.com family. And guess what they finally have? Um, you and I had talked before about what they offered and they have stepped up their game, I think. Now, here's what's free for landlords. And Ian, jump in whatever you want. They now are offering a full-blown syndication uh, which they weren't as much before. And they will syndicate a rental listing even to Zillow. Now, you and I both know that Zillow, if you only have one property, it's free. But if you have more than one, they're going to charge you in the neighborhood of 10 bucks a week or something like that. <clears throat> and But the good news is all the information you put into Avail, all of the pictures, all of the data, is transferred automatically to Zillow. And then Zillow, if you choose, Zillow will reach out to you, ask how you wish to pay, and if you wish to pay, and uh, tell you how much it is. There are also, they're syndicating to about 30 other sites, including places like, um, well, of course, realtor.com, but um, a lot of places you've never heard of, like apartment.com and, and homerent.com. And these places often syndicate themselves. So you're getting not only the syndications that these things have here, but the ones that go further than that. And this basically puts your listing all the hell over the internet. Okay. And John, and John, a couple of comments on that. Isn't it interesting here? They bought Avail to compete with Zillow, but Avail is using Zillow, but that's not unusual in the technology world. There's right. many examples of Apple and Microsoft and other competitors working together. So it, it, it's kind of interesting, but somewhat confusing. The other thing about syndication that I liked about the video that you sent me was they're not using Craigslist. And many years ago, we used to listen to you and you talk about Craigslist correctly. And, and they made a point specifically, I mean, Craigslist, I think was one of the very first, and I still think of Craigslist, but they talked about fraud. What was it? Um, um, they have old listings on there. Some things have been rented six months ago. They're still there. So Avail is fine. You know, I think you, you've touched, you have touched on the real weakness of Craigslist that they have not been able to address, which is one, people post things and then never remove them. So they're out of date. And number two, and more of a problem is the fraud. 
And the way that fraud occurs at Craigslist is um, I'll have a, a, a house for rent. I live in Florida. I've got a house in Atlanta and I offer it for rent at this amount. And then a scammer comes along and says, I'll rent it. And they send me some money and I'm happy in Miami. And I keep getting my rent every month, so I'm not unhappy. But then that scammer takes it and sells it to somebody else as a sale. Or they might rent a home that they have no interest in whatsoever in a, as a way of getting uh, application fees and maybe even rent, uh, prepaid rents to some extent. So uh, that's a real concern at Craigslist. Um, so what have I highlighted here? State-specific leases. Well, <clears throat> oh, by the way, uh, your point is well taken. Um, these companies do tend to cooperate amongst themselves. I'll bet you dollars to donuts when the Avail team went to Realtor.com and said, well, we're going to include Zillow. <laughs> Realtor.com was not particularly pleased, but Avail said, look, if we don't, people are going to go there and we're better off controlling them uh, from here than by losing them altogether. Absolutely. And I, I, I think that's probably what they're thinking is. Um, somebody is saying right now, John, why would you advertise uh, Avail.co? And I'm not advertising. This is a news segment when they offer state-specific leases. John, don't you offer a state-specific lease for Georgia? Yes, I do. And here is the answer. Um, oh, we're gonna get to it. Um, here it is. Yes, they will offer you a state-specific lease, but it's not free. <clears throat> um, and no, it's not the killer lease. Okay, it's not designed to protect the property. It's not designed to protect the owner. It's not designed to protect the property manager. And it's not focused on protecting only the broker involved. It is a bare bones legal lease in Georgia. And they avail wants you to move up to the higher level so that you can pay them for their version of a better lease. And they even acknowledge that their free leases don't have much teeth. And so I, I think the, the answer here is that if we're not interested in a veil because of state-specific leases, what are we interested in? Well, they charge for credit and criminal screening. If you wanna use them, you're welcome to, but there's a million choices out there. They also charge for online rent payments. And Ian, you and I have already talked about Zelle or even Venmo or PayPal or whatever as alternatives. I know some landlords who still accept checks every month and they've trained their tenants to pay on time and they have my blessing. Whatever works for you is okay, but I'm not gonna pay for it. So hey, John, what is I want that? to go back. Yeah, go ahead. I appreciate that line and I appreciate the comment from the listener about, John, why would you talk about this if you have a state-specific lease? And that's exactly what I thought, spot on. And then you put it in your, your graphic here, but going back to the credit and criminal screening, and I know it doesn't say it there, but when I listened to that part of the video, 
the guy was in Chicago. I'll give him that. <laughs> and he talked about zero security deposits. So I took my iPad and threw it across the wall. On the, no, I didn't do that. But the point is, is that um, all this to say that there's a lot of information out there that you got to be very particular and, and really use your own brain for your situation. So um, it's like anything else. It, it's there's some good parts and bad parts. And well, the state and, specific and there's the state uh, I have I had mentioned that Margie and I just because we are lazy uh, use um, um, what is it? My smart move. MySmartMove.com um, allows tenants to uh, agree that I can pull their transunion and Experian reports at their expense, and they also give me a recommendation and a criminal and a background screening. And I think it's like thirty-five or forty bucks. We've had as a guest on this program. Remind me of the very nice young lady's name that has the. Um, Screening Cheryl, Cheryl Nidum at National Tenant Network. She's National Tenant Network of Georgia. They're familiar with our laws here in Georgia and will also do a good job protecting you. Uh, but why, if, if we're not going to use Avail's lease, and if we're not going to use their credit and criminal screening, and if we're not going to use their online rent payments, why are we wanting to use them? Here's why. One, I like their syndication. And yep. number two, they have quality maintenance, tracking, and communication with tenants. And I just think this is something you've talked about, Ian. Um, we've already covered the syndication, but would you cover why it's important for us to have maintenance request tracking and how that would work? Well, um... In the killer lease, it says all requests must, all maintenance requests must be in writing. And so much appreciate that. And that is one specific answer is when you go to court and it's a lot of fun, what's gonna happen invariably, you're gonna see a tenant get up in front of the judge and say, I didn't pay my rent because the landlord wouldn't make repairs. And that's number one. And so, the landlord gets, and this is a landlord show, they get to say, no, it is our policy and it's in our lease that every request should be in writing. And Has we to have be. no written requests. Yeah. So right away that the, the judge hopefully would understand that, that that totally makes sense. Well, but you're exactly right. I've never seen an answer to a dispossessory warrant that didn't say I had requested repairs and the landlord ignored me because they know they can get off on that if they can make the judge cry on the bench. Uh, but this, this strategy uh, does two things. One, it protects you from a liability standpoint because now you have a permanent record of how you handled this particular situation. And it also kicks you in the butt in case you're tempted to ignore it. Uh, it encourages you to go ahead and do the right thing. But um, most importantly, if you do, heaven forbid, get into court, uh, and we've talked about that before, um, it, you have a record. And that record is going to stand up in court. And this is a way of doing it 
that you can say, Your Honor, we use avail.co. It's owned by realtor.com. It's out of my hands. They maintain this record and we keep copies of it, of course. So you've, you've got some protection there. Anything else before we move on quickly, Ian? No, that's exactly the reason why. Having it in writing is always good to have a paper trail. All right, good. Well, then we, uh, I would encourage anybody who is interested, go look at avail.co. The next question is going to be, well, should I pay for their next? And by the way, one of the changes avail made, Ian, is they used to have a limit of, I think, five units before you had to pay. They now have free unlimited units, which for a lot of us, puts this, you know, uh, makes this attractive. Uh, one additional thing is this is the first level of upgrade, and it's called Unlimited Plus, and it includes everything in Unlimited plus these premium features. Well, let's look at them real quick. Next day rent payments? Wait a minute. Zelle has next minute rent payments. <laughs> I like that a lot better. Uh, waived ACH fees, I like Zelle even better because you don't have to wait for it to come through ACH, which can take 24 hours, 36 hours over a weekend. They say custom applications and leases. You can do that for free with uh, assuming you have the killer lease. We'll make it available to you in rich text format. You bring it directly into Microsoft Word or Google Docs. And then you can customize it to the way you want to use it. And then we can use PandaDoc to have it legally, electronically signed for free. Um, and same thing when it comes to clone and reuse custom lease agreements. Of course, same thing. Google Docs or if you prefer Microsoft Word and PandaDoc, both free and unlimited. And then finally, if you want to create a properties website, that is so easy to do now at Wix.com. Um, I just recommend you take a look at that because even people with no experience whatsoever have reported to me that they've found it pretty easy. They've set it up. It's almost foolproof. So, Ian, would you comment on, on this, this upgrade level here? Does, do people need to be paying five bucks a month? No, John, but at the same time, if you wanted to have one platform and not go to different platforms, you might feel that one place is worth $5 per unit. I and understand. So I, yeah. I could see that. And, and maybe you feel a little tighter in your um, your management of the property. And well, that, I, I assure you, I feel tight all the time. <laughs> Margie says. We're going to be trying to integrate our Landlord survival guide stuff with the available. All right. I, and I, uh, Margie just pointed this out, and I bring this to everyone's attention because we've just started right now. Uh, we will be in the near future integrating our software at Landlord Survival, um, at uh, the Killer Lease in the Landlord Survival Guide. We will be integrating with Avail to make it easy for people who are using the killer lease to pull it directly into Avail if they wish and use it on Avail. If you prefer, you can do what I'm recommending here. 
Zelle for your payments. If you're cheap like me, they work great. Google Docs. By the way, Ian Robbins, did I hear you say you're using, what were you using for your um, e-signature software? Um, well, I do use DocuSign because I use that in my other business. I can't afford DocuSign. Whew. You must be you must be wealthy. The company has been very gracious from time to time. I get to use it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, if you're cheap like me, Panda Doc is free, and it works like a charm, just like um, uh, DocuSign does. And uh, uh, but we'll those of you who want to stay cheap, we'll help you. Those of you who are interested in avail, that's something available to you. We have run out of time, and which I hate. But guess what? Margie's telling me that it's time for my lunch. So that means I have to go. Ian, say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, everybody. Um, your financial future is a matter of, not a matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's the, that's a 3-0 Mark IV, the real estate coffee break. And this is John Adams on behalf of Ian Robin reminding you your financial future is not a matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. Make your choice a good one. So long, everybody.